Darling, we've had one hell of a time But the question on everybody's mind Where is the Hello and welcome to Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker, and Griffin Sheridan. This is part two of our discussion with Pornsec Pichetshot. We hope you enjoy. So with that in mind, you finish The Good Asian, mm-hmm. 12 issues, 12 issues? I feel like... 12, uh, 10 issues. 10 issues, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Issues. I, read, I read everything in trade, so it's all, it's all blurred to me. <laughs> it um, felt like 12 issues for me. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> Uh, and you you go and do you start Dead Boy Detectives at yeah. DC. Um, what about that book spoke to you? Like why that? I think you know I got the I, I heard what I had a. It, it's funny all of my uh, all of the jobs that I get, and I, I also think this maybe this is a lesson for people maybe, but like all the jobs I get come from just like me wanting to, I haven't seen a friend for a while and I just really want to see how they're doing. Uh-huh. And that was kind of the case. Like I hadn't seen Chris for a while. I wanted to see how he was doing. And so he'd sort of talked to me sort of about sort of the Sandman sort of stuff. Uh, you know, he's talking to me about his plans with James and, and, and all that. And, um, and part of it, well, and, and I think part of it too, like coming from Vertigo, that stuff exists in such an exalted place in my sure. mind and in my heart and, 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 and all that. So one, the opportunity to sort of play in that field, uh, to play in that world, the opportunity to, um, to, you know, I mean, you know, it's it's Neil's it's Neil's universe, so just getting that that invitation, um, you know, James is kind of running the thing, so just to be, you know, another person in his orbit was felt like sort of such an honor, and and so so that was the thing, and then I and so I I I, I, I people should not followed me as an example for like how to do things but like they were basically like, do you have any ideas for like sort of and i the problem is when people ask me stuff like that i don't respond as a writer i respond as an editor so uh-huh. half the time i'm like here are two friends i think would be do a really good job it's like oh and i could do something <laughs> like this and i kind of forget like no they wanted you because they wanted you to do they, they don't care yeah. they, if they care about your friends they would ask your friends they're not asking you as an editor they're asking you as a writer and so <laughs> um and so i you know and i mentioned sort of like this idea of like the dead boy detectives, but have them meet Tycho's and have it be super scary and like talk about it, it, you know, and I, and I don't think that at the time I kind of realized, maybe I did, maybe I did intuitively realize that I was after COVID, after the pandemic, I had a really tough time figuring out what horror was and figuring out what I wanted to do with horror. And, and it was through um, dead boy detectives that I kind of realized, Oh, I still have things to say in sort of the realm of horror. And, and one of the things was, and it's where I actually think now horror is, to, I couldn't find a way to, to make it relevant. And now it feels very relevant to me. And Dead Boy Detectives is part of that. It's just like things, how do you balance things like idealism, optimism, you know, naivety with all the very horrible things in the world without them canceling each other out? Like, how do you make, how do you accept both kind of, how do you acknowledge space that both can exist without sort of, you know, without being completely oblivious or being ignorant or, uh, and so to me, those ideas, and I guess I could have like created something to sort of talk about that, but like, I think the convergence of all those things kind of happened. The idea of like taking the innocence of those characters that I love and colliding it like with like super scary sort of like horror stuff. And then at the same time, kind of expanding 
sort of, you know, the world of Sandman to include sort of, you know, more Asian sort of, and, and most, in this particular case, kind of obscure Southeast Asian folklore, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that, that was, uh, that, that, that was, that, that was it. And then, and then, yeah. And then I think part of it was just, there's, I'm sure there's a little bit in my brain that was just kind of like, you know, I want to do something that Neil Gaiman likes. Like, you know, he, like, he, you know, Chris, I, I heard the grapevine, like, but Neil, like, absolutely loved the pitch. I'm like, do I have to write it now? Like, I, that's all I wanted. Like, <laughs> worse from here. Like, yeah. I, I, I was sort of curious about that. And, like, I talked to James about it a little bit uh, over dinner once, but it, it's such an interesting thing because, like, so many uh, of our peers come from superhero comics where there is, yeah. you know, an equal you know yeah equally rich legacy of just these storied creators and this history and you know you're working on characters that jack kirby and and stan lee created or steve ditko or siegel and schuster or whatever it is um but they're not alive (laughs) yeah yeah. And, and like sandman is i you know sandman is as revered in a lot of circles as any superhero thing yeah. as it sh- as it should be more revered yeah. in, in a lot of circles than superhero yeah. stuff as it as you know maybe it should be um but it's so small that you're like yeah. you know if i come in and screw up Sp- a spider-man right. thing it's like well there's ten thousand other spider-man comics <laughs> right. it doesn't really matter that my, uh, you know that i made him look like an asshole or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. sandman stuff is like there's only so much text in this universe and yeah. the person who created it is right there. Does that feel heavy to you to be writing it? Do you feel like an extra set <laughs> like of eyes? That way. No, uh, <laughs> no, no, but honestly, it, it's, it, 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 when you put it that way, yes, it should. Because th- th- this idea that, oh, like Neil can just like, you know, give me the cold children at a party if I ever see him, if I were ever in the same place at the same time. Yeah. But, but honestly, I think Neil's talent is just so, like you feel that because he's just like, for me, and I, I definitely felt this when I was writing Dead Boy Detectives, like, Neil gets credit for so many things. He gets credit for, like, his universe building, his world building, his stories, and all that sort of stuff. But, and because he is so gifted, I think his greatest strength sometimes he doesn't get credit for, which is the fact that he's the best dialogue writer in comics. <laughs> and so, like, I felt that, like, I just sweated yeah. over it. I just knew, like, your writing characters is written by the best dialogue writer in comics. Like, yeah. And, and, yeah, it's very, that is very stressful. That is very stressful. The the thing, uh, you know, I, I um, like I said before, I'm a jerk and I read everything in trade, but I read the, the first two issues of Dead Boy Detectives. Oh, thank you. Um, and uh, I actually got a signed copy of issue one from Midtown. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> very fancy. Shout out to Midtown uh, Comics. Yeah, shout out to Midtown Comics who were like, oh, we, I was like, do you have issue one? And they were like, yeah, we have a signed one. And I was like, I don't really care. But okay. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The... Uh, they were maybe were very excited there so you know it's nice for them i guess um but you know it's funny because i was going into it and i i I didn't know exactly what to expect and it started and i was like a few pages in i was like oh this sort of makes so much sense to me because it's part infidel and it's part the good asian it's (laughs) it's it's a, a a ghost story that's that's about you know sort of an an uh a personal ghost story that's sort of intimate and a different look at that. And then it's also about a, a detect detectives who are outsiders. And I was like, it's these two oh, elements yeah. of his other that's books that are smashed together. And then when I read it, I was like, but it's a totally different thing. It feels totally <laughs> different. Like going yeah. in logically, like I saw the math of how I thought it would right. go. And then it's this much more, this like 
coming of age character driven sort of personal thing that's you know it's it's funnier than the other books and it's more and you know and it's so charming and it has this you know i'm a sucker for children cursing in comics Mm. um, (laughs) so that you got me there but uh it it feels like a totally different thing and that really impressed me because i was like oh it's not a thing you own it's someone else's Mm -hmm. thing and you have these skill sets that sort of make you an ideal writer to just put it in cruise control and be like, I've done this and I've done this. I'm going to hit them together. And that's what it is. And then it's a totally unique thing. That's an amalgamation of those with new elements. And I was so impressed by that um, by not, by getting a book that wasn't what I expected it to be. And I love it so much. I thought it was so good. Thank you. Um, that isn't really fully a question. I guess the, just the idea <laughs> is, is like, you know, when you went into it, uh, there, there's these elements of horror. There's these elements of sort of a coming of age story. There's this, you know, the Hardy Boys kind of element to it, and all these things. Like, it's got humor. It's got this sort of awkward romance to it. It's got all these things. Like, how do you find the balance of what you want to do? Like in your head, do you go? This is a horror book about dead kids investigating <laughs> murders. Do you go? This is about you know fun kid. Like it's all these things in really well balanced. And Thank like, you. how are you doing that? I guess is the. Uh, <laughs> so you know. okay, so I'm gonna start that off because uh, because you embarrass me, I'm going to embarrass you. Where is, <laughs> is is that? Because um, I think I, I mentioned this to you, but I literally spend every issue being like. What would Matt Rosenberg do if he if, if he wrote this issue? And also, then I'm also like, wait, why didn't they get Matt to write this? He'd do, be doing such a better job at this than I was <laughs> trying to do like a bad Matt Rosenberg impression. So, um, so, uh, so first of all, so it means a lot. It means a lot, lot, lot that that, that you like it. Um, and uh, but and it's definitely sort of the biggest genre mishmash I've ever tried. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of that comes again. It's a lot of that like sort of like resting on the shoulders of giants, like. Neil just created a universe with, that had all these, and it's there in the characters as well. Like one of the things I want to do in this take, and I think it's one of the things that James did, I'm taking kind of James's lead in Nightmare Country, is he kind of brought like Sandman back to its horror roots where sort of so, after so long, it was sort of a dark fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I really liked what he was doing and wanted to kind of rip off that. Whereas the boys themselves, you know, they are these like wonderful, uh, idealistic sort of earnest characters, but, you know, if you read Seasons of Mist, where they came from, like, they were mur- – like, it's a scary story. Yeah. And and part of what makes that, that story where they're introduced work so well is the world is so scary, and yet their their innocence kind of rises above it and sort of, you know, and, and sort of, in a way, in their own way, triumphs sort of over it. So already there were all these sort of pieces. And, and so a lot of it came from a little bit of me taking off my writer's hat and putting on my editor's hat of sort of saying – well, what does the story kind of deserve? And the humor was a big part of like the like I terror like think I love that like I think I'm very grateful you find it funny because I'm ter- I'm terrified of writing that stuff, you know. <laughs> and like you're one of the best humor, if not the best humor, is writing sort of in the mainstream comics right now. So like the fact that you find it funny, I'm very 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 <laughs> grateful. But I but like left to my own devices, I probably wouldn't have chosen that. Yeah, but it was just what the material deserved. It needed someone who sure. could kind. Of, it needed that gear, but at the same time, it also needed a gear of. It needed to kind. Of, I thought anyway, uh, it was my pitch, so I was kind of committed to it. Uh, like you know, it needed that hard, hard edge to balance the innocence. Just kind of say like, 
and again, part of the thematics of the book is like, can you have both? Like, does one just eventually consume the other? Yeah. Um, and, and so you kind of needed to balance sort of those those two things. And then from there, I for me, it was just kind of like, then it was just a little bit of just being sort of honest with the characters and sort of seeing sort of where, where that went. Because I think yeah. to me, what that book very much is, is it is a book about balance. It is a book about like, can any of these can any of these things coexist, or do you have to be one or the other? Is it do you have to choose between one side or, or another side? Yeah. And and so that balance is kind of thematically baked into the book. And I think that kind of again, it helps that it's the world of Sandman, and it helps that if you go back to what Neil created, all that stuff was kind of, the idea of like contrast and balance. It was all kind of in there anyway. And mm-hmm. it, it and and Sandman is such a you know. You, you've got fantasy, but you've also you've also got this you know very diverse cast that talks about you know how their their, their differences and doesn't run away from them and doesn't try to gloss over it. So yeah. that 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 precedent is already baked there in the text. So it made it a little bit easier to be kind of like, all right, I'm doing all these things, but if you're familiar with it, you know I'm not starting. You know, if you and hopefully even if you're not familiar with it, you get the sense that it's following in a tradition. Hopefully yeah. that it's not coming out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I really, everything you said makes so much sense to me about it, but I I love the idea of like, can you do the the humor and the heart and the horror and will one consume the other eventually? Mm. And it's it's such an interesting tightrope for me always because I always view the best writing as a roller coaster that you you have to have the highest moments to get the crash, to get the drops to work. Like you can't, you can't just have, and there are things that do it well, like there's no exceptions to every rule. But like, I see so much horror stuff that is like, it's a free fall. You start here and then the ground is just ripped away from you and you're plummeting the entire time. Yeah. And you never get a chance to catch your breath and you never get your feet under you and you never, and there's something to that, of course. But for me, it's always like the, the finding the heart, finding the, the hope and then taking it away, yeah. finding the humor yeah. and, and, and smashing it. And like Park Chan-wook, the, the film mm, director, yeah. like his films, like his most violent dark films are also some of the funniest movies I've yeah. ever seen. And I, I I remember going to see Lady Vengeance in theaters mm-hmm. and it was, you know, a, a largely I mean it was in New York City. It was a it was a predominantly, I would assume American audience, predominantly white audience. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know how to react <laughs> at jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they were like, yeah. I I just saw something so horrific. I'm not prepared for a joke. And I yeah. was dying laughing at the jokes. And then it just switches. And I love yeah. that, that balance. And I know it's not for everyone, but for me, it's always been a thing. And I, I realized in reading your book, I sort of had this kind of interesting epiphany of something that I, I, I sort of had to put it down and be like, is this something I knew? Is this something I, I think about? Cause I write, I write young characters a lot in my own stuff. And I, I think there's something to it. And like, I think there's something to the exploration and, and yeah. the, the youthful idea of exploration is something that, we lose and and but the thing that you touch on so well that made the characters really resonate for me and feel young and and alive pardon the yeah. <laughs> uh, joke even though you know whatever um the, is is the balance of the the heart and the horror because mm. to me that is like the thing you sort of grow out of as a kid is yeah. that the the funniest the thing you've heard is you know you hear a joke and it's the funniest thing you've ever heard and something sad happens and it's the saddest thing that's ever right happened. right everything is so heightened and yeah and like the book feels like that to me it feels Thank like you. they're really like 
the awkwardness of having a crush feels yeah. so consumingly awkward. And then it's like, <laughs> but you're also like maybe going to be eaten by a monster. And, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and like, you have to balance those things. And, and one is the most important thing. Like having a crush is the most important thing yeah. until there's a monster about to eat. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I just really, is really like in love with the idea of like that, that everything is the biggest priority and how, much mm. that captures a useful feeling in, in the work and I, I hadn't seen you do that before and i don't see a lot of stuff that does that as well so i really love that and about the book and i loved hearing you say that like the balance of what consumes what it, it's so fun for me to explore and and that really cleared up like some of i think why i love the book so oh, far like, well I, I, and I, I first of all thank you thank you and thank you uh like but like but also too like again that was also like part of my terror of writing the book was just like god i've never written characters this young can i start written characters this young and so part of what i did was i like i'm definitely on a watch list somewhere from from like <laughs> yeah. from like listening to so many like teen podcasts like it, it, and it's specific because edward and charles because edward and charles were um we're, we're, you know, I had to match Neil's voices for them. So that's that yeah. whole other like insecurity, like imposter syndrome, like crisis that I'm having. Mm -hmm. But then, uh, then there are these new kids. And then I was just like, well, what do kids sound like? And so I, so I just watched a lot of podcasts and YouTube clips and all that sort of stuff. And it got to a point where like, it, it was funny because at one point I was just like, I was on TikTok and then like ninth grader, ninth grade girls. So I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> can't do that. Can't do that. But like, I, but one of the things I learned, I found, and I, cause part of it is just like, I think especially in comics too, because the, 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 the precedent is sort of superhero comics. Um, you have a lot of kids who don't sort of talk like kids and we kind of accept that, yeah. you know, like the, like, like the teen titans kind of talked like they were in their mid-20s like from sure. like the, the very first issue and we it was cool we accept that and it's their voices but like so but i but because you and again because it's neil because he writes the best dialogue in comics and it yeah. always seems to be accurate i felt like the bar was so high so i listened to sort of a lot of podcasts and youtube clips and all that sort of stuff and one of the things i realized and this is the thing that clicked to me that like making a kid sound like a kid isn't about slang it's just like they are and i think this and I think I could probably only have this opinion not having children, mm -hmm. but children are just as smart as we are. They just have way, they have so much energy. Yeah. They have so much more. It's like what we did if we were caffeinated all the time, every minute cranked to 15, we yeah. would act like 12 year olds. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so that was to me like, oh, this is how you write kids. It's just like, they just have so much energy nothing is at an eight everything is at a 15 yeah and and that's part of their fun and that's part of their thing so i'm i'm really and again like it's something you do very 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 well like i love four kids rubber, rubber band um and and so part of me was just trying to figure out like how do i get those voices to sort of like work yeah i you know i'm i'm very lucky i have uh, a bunch of nephews and a, a niece <laughs> who like I, I love them very dearly and, and they're great and they're super fun to be around, but it is a fun experiment to sort of like, sometimes I feel like in a loving way, like a little bit, like I'm, I'm a zookeeper. Cause I'm a little bit like, <laughs> studying them and being like, how, right, right. How, how would they react if like, suddenly all of the adults on earth died <laughs> what would their day be like what would that be like for you and like you corral them into your personal skinner box yeah exactly i'm just yeah and like i i think it's so interesting to, because like yeah they're they're very smart and 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 
energetic and and inquisitive, but also like the opposite of inquisitive sometimes too. Right, where yeah. they're just like everything is new to them. So also like nothing has weight unless they give it weight. So they kind right. of like don't care about some things in fun yeah. ways, and they like things roll off their backs, and then other things matter so much, and you're just like, this is so fascinating. And that's it's one of the things that you know I, I think you capture really well Thank in you. the book, but. um I wanted to go back actually and talk about uh, the good Asian a little more mm -hmm. just because along the same lines, like I've talked about how, you know, I think you do a thing that, that I try and do and you do it very well and, and like made me think about it. You also, th there's a thing I, I, I'm really drawn to writers who excel at things that I can't do and like, <laughs> don't want to do. I, I it's, it's, you know, like, there are a lot of writers where I'm like, I kind of write like that person. So like their stuff doesn't interest me as much. Right. I'm like, well, I could do that. You know, I spent a lot of time being like, well, I would do this. So that's the choice I would make. Right, but right. then I, you read an Alan Moore. For me, like I read Alan Moore and it's like, oh, I, my brain could never work like that. Yeah. Like I couldn't construct a story this way. I couldn't construct a page this way. I couldn't construct a line this way. Like the whole mm -hmm. thing feels like it was handed down from a different yeah. plane. Uh, and so I'm always fascinated by that stuff. I love, you know, big high concept sci-fi because of that, because I'm not a big high concept sci-fi mm -hmm. guy, but I, I making it, but I love consuming it. Mm -hmm. I love like really sappy romance stuff because I don't write that way. I don't right. think that way, but the good Asian does the, the third of my sort of check marks on that, which is incredibly researched. <laughs> like uh and and i'm just not a research person it like i went you know i i wish i was i read yeah. stuff that is like well researched you know like brubaker has some period piece stuff that's so good and people do historical dramas and they're so smart and i'm just like i i just want to write i don't want to <laughs> be doing homework and I, i'm just curious about like that why obviously the good asian sort of needs to be a period piece and yeah. set in a specific time but was is that something you were excited about doing researching all that stuff is it excited about telling that story or was that a necessary evil to the project or, or... It, it, i guess a part of it was it is sort of a necessary evil but i mean i don't want that to sort of seem like i resented it makes it sound like i resented the, the process and that is like to to I feel like with everything in my life, if I could have come up with an easier way of done it to do it, I probably would have done it. Yeah. I just wasn't smart enough to figure out the easier way of doing it. And so, so like I knew I wanted to talk about sort of what that book sort of talked about. And part of it was, I also knew, I guess it's it's two it's two things, but there's also a little bit too of because I am drawn to conversations I don't think are happening or things, especially, I mean, this might be another editor thing, things I've never heard, perspectives I've never heard of before. I, then the onus kind of becomes like, well, do I know, am I the right person to talk, be talking about this? Do I actually know what I'm talking about? And so I think a lot of the research comes, comes from that. And mm -hmm. then because, you know, I'm constantly, even now I'm constantly scared. Someone's going to be like, you got this all wrong. Yeah. Like I, you know, that kind of leads to this, um, it leads to the the, the the spiral of just sort of more and more research. I, I, I also, I think one of the things that also helps is that because my bandwidth is limited, I can only, um, because my bandwidth is limited, I have ideas for projects and it's like a year or two before I can get to them. Mm -hmm. So I kind of know that like, oh, I want to do this somewhere down the horizon. If I have some time to read, I'll just read the thing that I'll eventually be working on. So it, it gets to sort of build up 
it gets to sort of build up that way. So, so all of that kind of became how sort of the research happened to the sort of mm-hmm. good Asian. And, and it's funny, and I, I hope, I really hope people are, are patient. I really hope people still care. Like, I do want to write like the sequel, but that's also a ton of, re- like, I don't know where I'm going to yeah. find time. I'm like constantly like, where do I find time for this research? And, and because I sort of, I feel like I've set this bar for myself now of just like, and, and I think the bar, I kind of was, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have done this, like when I put the book out, but like, I kind of said like, the, the intent for these stories is for them to sit alongside history and never contradict it. And mm-hmm. it's the, and, and, and part of, specifically like the good Asian was like this idea of, can we find truth where facts don't exist? And the only way of finding truth is by never contradicting fact. And, but that means you kind of need to know the facts. Yeah. And, and so I kind of felt like in my mind, that's where I sort of set the bar of the good Asian. And I feel like that's whether they are, it's explicit or not, that's what the readers are expecting. So like, eventually I, will, I very, like the sequel is very much a top priority, but it's just like, God, I have so much reading I need to do to kind of like yeah. get that. And like, where do I find the time for that? And yeah. that I'm doing uh, one of my next books. I'm doing a, a like sort of alternate universe thing, oh, but cool. it's, a, it's World War II, but like okay. it's a different World War II basically. And it was very, I was doing a bunch of research and then I hit a point yeah. where I was like, I could just make it all up. Like it's an alternate <laughs> universe, like, I don't have to get days right. I don't have to get this like, and I just, I just like, it felt like such a weight off my shoulders to be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no one can tell me this is wrong. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> just, you know, it's the same thing at like writing DC vs. Vampires with with James at, at DC. Like, it's alternate universe. And there was a point where someone emailed us about something where we got a character beat. I got James Dunn. Uh, I got a character beat slightly wrong. And I was like, I called James. I was like, oh, I fucked this thing up. And he was like, no, it's alternate universe. <laughs> and he's like, it, it's exactly like the DC universe, but this one little tiny thing is different. And I was like, yep, that's it. There, there's your answer. And I was like, yeah, you don't know what this is. It's totally different. Um, and and I, 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 at that moment, I was like, oh man, do I just only want to write Elseworlds stories? At this yeah, yeah. Like, is that the answer? So I never have to get called out on continuity quirks. Um, but no, I, I, I don't. I have this kind of, it, it must be sort of imposter syndrome, but because like, I have this thing of like, oh, I love, like, I love hard sci-fi. I love, like, there's a certain, like, sound and rhythm that hard sci-fi has where it sure. sounds kind of, and, like, my friend Josh Dysart, he writes it very well. And, sure. and um, but whenever I look into it, I'm just like, whenever I tr- put, try to put that on, I'm just like, oh, but how do physics work? And, da, 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 like, and I get really into, like, yeah. wait, so how do you do the thing so you can t- travel through time? And I was like, and it's like, well, no, it's fiction. You're at some point, you just yeah. gotta say it happened and not stress out. But I get so been like, yeah. yeah, I need to know, like, how does the math work? How does the science work? Uh, I, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but being in the room when uh, John Hickman went over his X Men plans, oh, yeah. and it was, you know, the fourteen exclusive Marvel writers, and we're all there. One of the great joys for me was like, t- I'd heard it before. He told it to like the X Men writers earlier, but. Go, him going over it and watching all the other writers and like you know it's it's top writers in the industry and all of them are trying to wrap their heads around it and watching all of them like <laughs> watching it it open up for some people and seeing them huh. be like oh wow the possibilities <laughs> and watching other people like push it away and be like this is <laughs> too sci-fi this is too crazy it was such a good like oh, so it, it was such a good learning thing for me as like a, a newer writer there to just be like oh you don't have to like 
you can you can be in your own lane and be comfortable yeah. in your own lane here like That's you don't so have to get what he's doing you don't have to get what he's doing and and like i loved it i love i love the x-men stuff that john did but like yeah watching some of the writers be like i don't fucking get it and i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to try and figure this out uh was great it was awesome that's awesome it's so cool that's yeah. so cool yeah that for me i'm always the writer and I, I i i i'm the same way like i don't know if it's imposter syndrome or what but like i'm I, i'm always like well i don't have to do that i don't have to figure that <laughs> out I don't, I don't have to answer that question i don't have to do that thing and then i'm always like but am i taking shortcuts or am i like <laughs> focusing on the thing I want to do, which is tell the character story, tell the moment. And like, yeah, 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 you know, that was a big thing for us on, on building for this place. Like I, we built a world, like we have explanations mm. for everything and why there's no adults and where they went and how these things happen and what the timeline is. And they were all crammed into the first issue. And then I was like, this sucks. It sucks mm, to explain it. Yeah, like it feels boring. It feels dry. It feels like they're, we're sucking the mystery out of this just to like answer some people's That's questions so that like, I don't want to answer their questions. Like yeah. if, if they come along, they'll get the answers at the end, probably. Um, and, That's so, so interesting. Yeah. Because I, cause like I re and as a reader, I really appreciated that. Like I really, I, I there, I was very conscious how sort of like later on in the series, like, Oh wow. You kind of like, you got us very invested in sort of the, the, the story that you and Tyler were telling. And then you decided like, or here's how the world came to be. And I, I was, it, it, that, that choice was very, felt, I, that yeah. really jumped out to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, the original, the way I explained it to Tyler originally was like, it's concentric circles that we, mm. we the book starts in a room and then you go mm. into a building and then you, you know, you go into a larger building and then you go to the block and then you go to the neighborhood and then it's the world. And I was like, I don't want to tell people what the world is before right. they know what the room is and who the yeah, people yeah. in the room are. And like, that's sort of just an idea that we've always had was just like these eccentric circle, like, you know, these layers and like, you earn each layer as you go. And it it's interesting. It's it's like the thing I said before where you you lose people because people are like, I want to know what the outside layer mm. is. Like I want to understand mm. the top layer. And you're like, <laughs> you'll get there. Like it's fine. <laughs> but I, you know, and, and I see you know, in in your work, there's a lot of this great world building that is real world building <laughs> that's like the, you know but it but it's 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 places we don't see you know like i mean uh this this may sound absurd but like infidel taking place not in the suburbs or a country, right, right. countryside yeah. as a kid who grew up in new york city like i was like we don't ever get yeah yeah urban horror stories right like, right it's yeah so rare to get a story that's like not about you know, it's suburban kids or a farmhouse. Yeah. And yeah. like, I don't know, I you have this great way to take the real world and make it as much a character and as much a, a fantastical thing that, that you want to explore and live in and, and know more about. And I'm I'm really like, it's something that I always am excited about. And that's why like the Dead Boy Detective stuff is fun because you're playing in someone else's world. And then like, how are you going to add those elements is, is, is something that I'm really enjoying seeing. Thank you. Again, not a question. No, thank <laughs> um, you. I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> um, I I think that about wraps us up here. I don't almost. Have, oh, I mean, we, we do we do have to point out uh, this beautifully organized bookshelf as oh, we Jesus. always do in <laughs> comparison <laughs> to Rosenberg. I like the which, way that they almost go into each other. I know they really, they really. It's like really a dark side and a light. His, yeah. But his has more personality than mine, though. It does, but 
I do know for a fact that before we're done with this podcast, it will have killed at least one person. <laughs> uh, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's not good. Look, if you looked at the other bookshelves in my house, uh, they're worse. Like, this, it's not a joke. Worse? Yeah, this is the most organized part of, like, Jesus. this is the cleanest part of my apartment. So, like. How does um, he do it? You know, it's a. Uh, it's chaos, guys. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of part two of our discussion with Pornsec Pichet Ship. Make sure to check out The Good Asian, Dead Boy Detectives, and everything else Pornsec is working on by giving him a follow on Twitter at real underscore Pornsec. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Where is-